My name is Matt Brown. I want to kiss you all over and over and again. I want to kiss you all over. Dun, dun, dun. To the night closes in. To the night closes in. Terry. Start the show. What? Friends listen to Endless Love in the Dark. My friends from Norwalkville, this is the Productive Conversation Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, and I will be your host today. What's going on? It's Wednesday, November 18th. Damn, it feels pretty good right now. As we are dropping this on a special edition of the Productive Conversations Podcast, we're going to have two additional episodes this week. We already saw Gaby Foon on Monday with a very special message to his girlfriend and the and our first responders, especially everyone in the medical field, and a much-deserved praise. Words can't describe our appreciation for all of you, especially during this pandemic. Seriously, I hope amazing things happen to each and every one of you who works in a hospital, medical office, or anywhere in this clinic, or anywhere in this world. Seriously, thank you to every single one of you men and women. I love all of you. We all do. We appreciate you. Check out his episode to hear a special message and the great conversation we had. So this is Aaron on Wednesday. We'll have a regular schedule show on Thursday with my buddy Danny Lynch and then my buddy Alex Young will be on Friday. So before I get into the incredible Eric Sequeiro, I just want to say this. The New York football giants. We look like a pretty damn good football team right now. Listen, between my last rant a few weeks ago and the couple of guests I've complained about the Giants, I was very, very nervous on the brink of losing hope. It's really hard for me to lose hope on the Giants, but I almost did. I couldn't take any more I couldn't take any more stupid penalties, close losses, and frustration. And you know what? I don't know what happened. But two weeks ago when we played the Bucks on Monday night, Something really changed. And then after that, two two humongous divisional wins. We beat Washington once again. And the big one on Sunday, we beat the Philadelphia Eagles for the first time in seven years. Finally, we did it. These last two weeks, this team looks pretty damn good. And in the other last two weeks, with the exception of Philly winning last week, everyone keeps losing. And because of that, at three and seven, we're half a we're a game and a half behind the Eagles, who are three, five, and one with a tie. We might have this, everybody. The New York Giants are in it. We're gonna have competent football. We're gonna have meaningful games in November and December. This week we have a bye to celebrate Thanksgiving weekend. Sorry, we have a bye coming into the Thanksgiving weekend. And you know what? It feels wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, where do we start? Wayne Gallman? After Saquon goes down and our hearts do- drop deep, we we thought we were in trouble. We pick up Devontae Freeman. He gets hurt. So you know what? We pick up the we give another shot to the running back who was actually here before Saquon, Wayne Gallman Jr. And I'm so happy. I'm genuinely happy to see what he's been doing because he's been stepping the fuck up. 
Since Wayne Gallman got back into the starting position for the New York Giants, kills it last week against Washington. 14 rushes, 68 yards, and a touchdown. This week, 18 18 rushes, 53 yards, and two touchdowns. And he's finally getting what he deserves and putting in all the hard work. I mean, he gets drafted, and then they have this once-in-a-generation talent, Saquon, come in and take the job from him. And sadly, Saquon gets hurt. And he shows them why he was worth investing in. I mean, I guess, you know, they picked up Devontae Freeman first, and then he got the job, but Gallman said, damn it, it's my time, and I'm happy to see what he's doing. And you know why? Because we have an improved offensive line, a much improved. Andrew Thomas isn't letting people slide in anymore. Willie Hernandez finally is is picking it up again. This offensive line is finally put it, creating holes for our running backs to run through. Whether you're Gallman, whether you're Alfred Morris, whether you're Penny, people are finally able to make these runs. And you know what happens also when you have a good offensive line? Your quarterback does good! And Daniel Jones looks pretty damn magnificent over these last two games. He has proven, especially with this offensive line, that he has some of the best legs in the National Football League. I mean, he started the game on Sunday with a 34-yard run. And this guy could do it. And we know I had my doubts against Daniel Jones. I had my complaints. He wasn't looking good. But you know what? He finally, at least over these last two games, he beat his weakness. He did not turn over the ball once. Not a stupid interception. Not a dumb fumble. He is keeping the ball and protecting it. And damn it, you know what? He is proving the doubters wrong, including myself. He does belong in a Giants uniform. Number eight for the New York football Giants can play. Once you have the team on you, you can play. With an improved Darius Slayton coming in, the fold, do it having another great game. Sterling Shepard, the vet, stepping up. I know he pissed off a lot of people due to some comments over the recent leaks, but Golden Tate, not too bad himself. And even Evan Ingram, who literally lost us the game against Philly three weeks ago, he ain't looking too bad right now. Shouts to offensive quarter Jason Garrett, because you have somehow in these last two weeks, you and Joe Judge, a lot of credit to this man, you've turned this team around. This team looks so much better, and it is so feels so fucking good to be a fan of the New York football giants. It's been a long fucking time coming. Seriously. Just the amount of troll texts, the amount of sad memes, the amount of just awful vibes that was coming with being a a New York football Giants fan over the last few years. It's gone. At least these last two weeks, it's gone. And with Dallas absolutely collapsing, losing four in a row now, to the Washington football team not being able to hold their own either. And then us finally beating the Philadelphia Eagles. The New York Giants are in the mix. We have a bye week, and damn it, we're going for the division. And I get it. The NFC East is awful, and people complain, oh, they don't deserve it. Oh, it's kind of whack. Well, damn it, who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters is now. The New York football giants are getting the chance to compete for the division and winning it. And you know me and all the Giants faithful are there every step of the way. Whether it's my Giants texting buddies like Danny Lynch and Alex Young and Jacob Murray, the ones who stayed loyal, the ones who heard all these stupid trolls talking about how awful the New York Giants are, you know what? We're not. We're in it to win it. 
And yeah, we have a tough schedule ahead. But you know what? We can compete. I mean, we competed against the Steelers, and they're still undefeated. We can compete against anybody and win it. Seriously. When you have players like James Bradbury, who, you know what, he needs to be in the Pro Bowl. At least be an All-Pro. One of the best damn corners in the league, and he proved that last week as well. We have a new and revitalized Leonard Williams, who is who already has five sacks this year and 34 tackles. He's legit again. Candid to Gettleman for those two. Blake Martinez, he's in every damn play on the defensive side. He's competing. I'm feeling so much better about this team. We all should as Giants fans. We've been getting so much crap from everybody. It's over. We are competing for the division, and we deserve to be in it, damn it. Our time is now. I mean, we're going to play Giants have meaningful December football for the first time in four years. Let's go! And yes, I get it. We have quite a tough schedule ahead. We play Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Not this Sunday, but the Sunday after. We have a very tough Seahawks team. Then the Browns again, who are stepping up. The Cardinals, who just won one hell of a game on Sunday. My goodness. DeAndre Hopkins really is the best, most trusted wide receiver in the game. This man caught a touchdown. What was it? At least 60-yard touchdown reception with three, check it, three Pro Bowl defensive players, and he still made the catch. And he won me fantasy this week because of it. But then we play the Ravens again, and then we end the season against Dallas. And who knows what the hell they're going to have to figure out to give us a chance. But you know what? The Giants are in it. And even if we're in a division of horribleness, we're going to be the flyest one and the best one. We have six games to go, and it's going to be an amazing six games. Let's go, Giants. It is our time now. Let's get it. Let's do it. Joe Judge, I believe in you. This is going to be fun. Let's go, Giants. And with that, it's time to get to the nitty-gritty part of the show. The fun, humble part of the show. It is time for my interview with Eric Sequeira, the man who is on the rise in the finance world, the model world, whatever the heck he wants to do. We went over philosophy, we went over aspirations, we went over work ethic and a lot of cool things in between. Telling me stories about modeling for GQ to telling me how he's doing his best to be a team and a big player in the finance world. This man's fascinating, this man's cool, this man is my buddy, and I was very happy when he told me he wanted to come on. So, with that... This is my incredible conversation with the Eric Sequeira. And just for reference sake, this was recorded after the election. All right. We have a treat here on the Productive Conversations podcast. I have the bright young man in every sense of the word, Eric Sequeira. What's going on, buddy? How are you? 
I'm doing well yourself. I'm excellent. Thanks for thanks for coming on for me. So just in case the listeners don't know, I know Eric for another guy I know from Theta Chi. He was uh, entering the fraternity as I was in my final semester for it. Then he transferred to Fordham University, if I have that correct. Correct. I assume you finished your undergrad there. I didn't. I graduated with a degree in finance and alternative investments. Excellent. What have you been up to with that? Um, I know it's brand new for you. You just graduated this spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's hard right now in finance. I mean, are you aware? Uh, do you know Bridgewater Associates in Connecticut? Very. I'm very familiar. Up in Stanford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I did apply for a job there. That was my dream job. I'm not familiar I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ray Dalio and who he is and his philosophies, but um, he wrote a book called Principles, and you can consider it a self-help book, but more of a book that teaches you uh, radical open-mindedness and transparency and to just find the truth in whatever it is that you do. After reading that book, it really stuck with me and who Ray was as a person, and to think that a company had a culture like that, um, some people consider it a cult, but in reality, I don't see it as that. I think uh, people just don't want to be told that they're wrong about things here and there. So I applied for that job, got up to a third round interview during this whole thing, and just I wasn't able to have it stick, but I've been trying to apply to different places just hard. A place like that uh, loses... 20 billion in assets under management when they're managing around 140, mm-hmm. 100, well, 160 billion, then they get down to 140. So you can imagine what these banks are losing right now and these real estate firms. So it's hard right now to find a job in that space in regards to what happening, what's happening. But markets look good. Things will start opening up. It just, I caught a bad break, but eventually I'll, I'll find a place to be. I just need that one place to give me a shot. I know exactly how you feel, especially with my production background. You know, graduating college, did find pretty consistent work both in mostly production and a couple audio spaces. And then uh, I had my latest project then in December. And, you know, normally you go a little time on employment and just hop into the next gig until you have enough credit slash experience to go to a more stable production job, which I just hit that cusp. So I've been a production assistant for a few years Now I'm ready to be a production coordinator. And I was interviewing for production coordinator jobs. And as I mentioned before, right the very week COVID hit, I interviewed for one of the major late night talk shows in New York city. And I'll never know if it's because of, uh, COVID or someone fairly beat me out, but I was a former intern at the conglomerate of I, it was for a Viacom show and, and being a couple of networks there, freelancing or interning, you figured you'd at least have a fighting chance, but talk about divine intervented intervention. So as, as you just waiting for more, for more spaces to open from se- more sets to go back on, I think for me specifically, once Broadway comes back in New York, and that will be a huge milestone because you'll see more of the theater industry opening and also with that other productions. So if that's till May, that's fine, I guess. But um, I'm just ready as you ready to go in applying every day, hitting up references and uh, really doing this in the meantime to continue using the Adobe Creative Cloud, not get rusty on it because that's all and just continuing writing and and just getting ready, but I know for a fact that the both of us 
will be in a secure position, especially once this all ends. I really believe sure. that. And I, I, I believe that. And I was still getting very far, getting very far into the process. I really commend you. And you, you know, I'm sure you've keeping in touch in one way or the other. And once you come back in, they'll be blessed to have Eric Sequeira be amongst their firm. But it's, it's, it's tough, like the connection part too. You want to reach out to people on LinkedIn. You want to reach out people through the fraternity. That's what my biggest resource has been is connecting mm-hmm. through people on LinkedIn, through Theta Chi, and people are quick to respond in that regard. But what's also interesting right now is the fact that what if those people don't have those jobs within the next three, four months. I mean, I mean, I read a couple Reddit posts the other day about people working in human resources at JP Morgan and Morgan's, uh, not Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. saying that, yeah, they're going to have layoffs in, Janu- or in uh, January. And take it for what it is, it's Reddit. I mean, I could go there, say I'm the CEO and say, yeah, everything's great. We're not going to have that. But then I go on to talk to my friend a few hours later and she said that she talked to someone from Morgan Stanley and that they're going to be laying off a good amount of people in January as well. So it's kind of scary to think that the people that you're trying to connect with might not also have their jobs in a few months or hopefully maybe these things do shape out and they still do get to keep those jobs. Who knows? Oh yeah. And as much of having the various reference, there really is no, there's really no such thing as having too much. And you know, the, the thing is with going out and seeing who can help what and being as many friends you can have, uh, I, I definitely get your point. And there's just some people trying to help you while also trying to manage their job and just getting that perfect moment. And I guess really the only answer, and it's very cliche and sometimes even annoying, is really just keep hitting that ice and eventually it's going to break and just don't have any fear of getting rejected, ignored, or ignored. And, well, you just have to really be your biggest fan and knowing that you are good enough to be amongst that place. Like for instance, I had an internship and with one higher up and he told me to stay in touch with them after the internship, especially when you graduate. And of course I yeah. did. And he didn't even respond to my emails. And I was like, okay, so this is the world I am about to get into. Yeah. It's just trusting people are genuine enough to get in there is when it will fall in. And then you just remember once you're on the other side to be genuine to someone else. So I guess as long as you're not afraid to yeah. just keep asking questions and have your own confidence in being a biggest fan, really all. Yeah. It's like a glove eventually. Uh, are, are you are you into philosophy by chance? Yeah, I'm very much open to philosophies in this mm-hmm. world. Uh, at Fordham... You have to take two philosophy courses. Um, take it as 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 you as you see fit. Uh, most people don't value those philosophy courses. I mean, they they coincide with the religious courses. I mean, mm-hmm. who really wants to take them? They're hard courses. They're not for everyone. But I remember the second one I took. We learned about Immanuel Kant and. One big thing, I feel like philosophers always have one big thing that you remember. And his biggest thing I think that he's known for is do unto others as you would want others to do unto you. So don't golden don't use people as a means to an end, basically. And there's a lot of that in whatever industry you get into. And I feel like 
it goes back to, I feel as though Ray Dalio is a little bit of a philosopher himself with his ideas and that radical open-mindedness and transparency. I think the issue we find a lot in when looking for jobs is that people rather say before your quarterly review that, okay, they didn't do well here or that, but when you come back in, they shoot the shit with you and say, hey, you did great. You might need to work on this and that, but there's no issue with telling that person you did extremely poor here, why were you doing poor there and how can we fix that? And I think that has to do with using the people as a means to an end. They feel as though they can use these people for a certain task or for a certain reason or for a certain purpose up until a certain point that they need them, then they can let them go. Instead of being truthful and honest with your employees and saying, this is where you messed up. Why are you thinking this way? This is how I'm thinking of this. And let's collaborate to come to a middle ground and further what we could do together to make, to see better results. I think there's a correlation between those two things. And it starts with people not responding to emails, people Mm -hmm. not being of their word. And it's interesting that that culture at Bridgewater hasn't picked up a meritocracy I think is the best thing that someone can be um, around and be a part of most people don't like being told that you're wrong but you got to hear it you got to hear the truth you're not always going to be perfect in everything that you do and I think it really does start with uh, from using someone as a means to an end and it just escalates there throughout any firm or any business most business you work in Oh, yeah. And if you're someone who really believes in what goes around, comes around too, and actually being that genuine person at the other side and definitely not seem like you're using someone else as well. Mm. You don't want to feel used. And that's why I think we really have to figure out every way in almost the game of trying to find a job and remembering what happens and how you got there, you really can't forget those little people who push you through. And even if one day they're like, okay, whether so, if you want to take this route or or definitely I want to, I figured if in due time, I want to develop my own production company, they'd be amazing because simply all the other ones are taking forever to let me in. So I'll just make my own. I still need lots of help from investors, from genuine employees who believe in me or my concept, our whole team believing in each other. Even when you are the captain of your own ship, you still need a lot of help. And this system and the system of you got to know it's who you know, not what you know. We just have to remember to to stay genuine, even not only humble, but as you said, genuine and, and keeping those little things going. It seems like our, our, our common denominator is having those little things to help push us through for our biggest opportunities. I, I agree with that. And I think it also comes down to what you look up to and what you admire in life as well. I mean, people like Elon Musk, because he's a meme. He says whatever mm-hmm. he wants. Um, and people find value in something like that. But I look at it as more, you can look at these leaders, let's say. You can like Elon Musk for being a meme. You can like Obama for being the first African-American president. You can like Trump for being Trump. You can like Ray Dalio for being Ray Dalio. But when I look at these things, when I look at Elon Musk, when I look at Ray Dalio, the two people I really admire in this world, I don't look at 
the way that they speak. I look at the way that they think. And I think <laughs> that people mm-hmm. lose touch of that. They don't really under- try to understand that person's thought process. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I bo- believe Elon Musk has never worked for anyone other than himself. I believe once he got the money from PayPal, he started yeah. doing his own things. And so people believe don't act. realize that. I, I don't think people realize that. Elon Musk never worked for someone on his own. And I don't think people also realize that Tesla was so close at failing. Like they were Easily. so close to lo- just losing everything. But it's the fact that you can have someone think so differently. That's why I enjoy these two thinkers, Ray Dalio and Elon Musk, that they're philosophers as well. In my opinion, they just see the world completely different. They believe that they can change it in their own view. I mean, it killed me when I saw Elon Musk speak about or um, hearing about that. Um, I believe his hero either um, was it? I believe it was Neil Armstrong. That's that's the guy that went to the moon, correct? Neil Armstrong was the guy who what I heard. He was the first. He first obviously he's the first man on the moon. So, I didn't hear that last part. But what did you? He was yeah Neil Armstrong first man. I on think the moon. I think Buzz either him or Buzz Aldrin. Are Buzz Aldrin, one of them, or maybe both of them, Elon Musk looked up to, and it was in regards to SpaceX that they didn't believe in him that he could bring people to Mars. And it hurts to see someone like Elon with so much power to see him be a human being and cry about that. You look up to these people and admire these people and you enjoy their thoughts, their ideas, the way that they perceive the world. And sometimes it's not what you want to hear. Sometimes they don't even believe in you, but you believe in them when they didn't even know you were a person. That was the, that's the tough thing about meeting your heroes. If you want to do it or not. And, and that was, that was what was interesting about the possibility of working at Bridgewater. I, I, I admire Ray Dalio, but I, I could also imagine, I believe that he is there as a mentor and I believe that he does rip into people, mm-hmm. even new analysts. And imagine you have a man of his stature, the man, the billion dollar man, the man that no one understands how Bridgewater operates better than he does. He's just completely revolutionized how markets work. To have this man with so much experience just go into it with an analyst. You kind of think that he's against mm-hmm. you, but there's something unique and special about that. With Through that pain, you have one of the greatest minds telling you what you actually needed to do to be successful, and that's what they want. And his probably one of his best quotes is, pain plus refle- reflection equals progress. I can and, get behind that. And if you, if you can't, if you've seen people that deal with pain, and I've, I'm guilty of it, you just hide behind it or try to cope with it in the wrong way. You don't reflect on it, then you don't make any progress. You're stuck in this loop, and he he has this image of a loop that comes around like this, and each step is a stage. So the first section of that loop, you're going to be making progress towards things. That second section, you're going to be comfortable. You're going to be doing what you like. Maybe you don't like, but maybe you stay there forever, and you never come into this third section where it comes back down, the failure, learning about yourself. And this is the issue. This is the part where people get stuck is this second and third loop. They get stuck in the idea that I'm comfortable or I failed. I can't do it again. So they either get 
back to step one or stay in step three and be miserable. You need that reflection in step four. You need to understand what's going wrong in your personal life, your work life, because Ray Daly just doesn't mention work. He mentions life mm-hmm. as well. And if you're stuck in that little loop, you're never going to understand yourself or what issues you're having. And that's not just to say for work and life, but that's every aspect of your life. You need to examine where you're at and you're trying to get to that fifth and final part of the loop. You're trying to get to your goals and understand where you failed. And you want to continuously go through this loop. You want to make that fifth part of the loop that rise start to be number one again. Then you want to get this number two. Then you want to fail again. But that's the issue that people have is that failure. We've been told not to fail. And that's what I loved about Hartford. And that's what I loved about what Mm -hmm. I did in high school. In high school, I had a a 3.9 GPA. And if you have a learning disability, your case managers need to sign off that you can go into AP classes. My case manager told me that I I couldn't do it because like me don't go to college. And for a 14-year-old, I believe when I was a freshman in high school, that's a lot. You don't go through yeah. much when you're younger and that, that's a mm-hmm. lot to hear. So that sent me on a downward trend and being able, I ended with a 2.8 in high school, which not the greatest thing, but I'll admit it. So I get to Hartford. I'm miserable because I didn't do what I wanted to at that moment when I was thinking I'm miserable and I shouldn't be here was also the moment that I can't be like this. Cause it's just going to repeat the same pattern. So I worked my ass off. I figured out what I wanted to do and I still got into a really good school. Oh yeah. And you see, that's where that, that's where I figured out how that loop works and how I could relate it to my life. And that's why I need to be thankful for Hartford to do giving me that second chance to better myself. It's not that I didn't enjoy being around you guys being around the school. I love the school probably more than I did Fordham. It was the fact that I knew I could do better and I needed to challenge myself. And that's what I was really thankful for about Hartford. That's really, really great to hear. And I really commend you on your achievements. And most of all, learning not to take criticism so personally, but using it as your ultimate tool to get on the other step. And seriously, a bravo to you, Eric. And I definitely, you know, I'm sure no hard feelings because, you know, we did leave Hartford. We have to leave Hartford at the same time. But I think at the end of the day, whether the other brothers or your friends in the Hartford circle, they understood you want to do what you want to do and you're an actual go-getter and you're not swearing them off for life. You just have to do what's best for you at the end of the day. And you did it. And also, you know, you're in a very unique class to be in the middle of a pandemic and putting in this holds. And that's why I'm sure, and I could see you're not really, uh, I'm assuming I could see you're not really uh, nervous of taking, you know, taking these obstacles you're just using it to be a much stronger candidate and most important stronger candidate for a much person in your life if i could go through more obstacles i would i mean you don't want to avoid the pain i just you you really want to face it i mean that's the that's that's the only way you learn to be honest i think people are afraid to learn Oh, yeah. That's why also, especially for what I do with my industry, that really kicks your ass. I just don't really get affected or sad from criticism. If I could just share these two stories, one that is extremely similar yeah. to you. Um, you, mentioned, you mentioned Ray. I had a big influence. I was a huge mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon fan. Like, 
everything late night. I, I watched his first late night show all the way to the tonight show and like insanely obsessed. I went to mm-hmm. three tapings. So it's June, 2016. I happened to go to a taping of the tonight show and you know, I, my plans was to be an NBC page. I would love that as my career out of school. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I try to set, I know it regarding the university at heart. Actually, let me tell the first story first. Cause it better, it's better to, um, it's better to smooth it out. So first story, I really want to go to new NYU film school. I always knew I wanted to be involved in show business and being a filmmaker literally since I was five. I can honestly say since I saw toy story and VHS, I want to do something similar, whether television or TV. And I really set up my, I set up my high school career to, to be eligible for a film school. I went out for NYU and I was just under the GPA requirement. But I, fit, but I took on so many extracurriculars. I, I obsessively watched your big movie, your, um, the cinephile movies, your Pulp Fictions, or I, you know, yeah. get obsessed with Tor- Tarantino and Scorsese mm-hmm. and Spielberg. I set everything mm-hmm. up. So I applied to NYU. I wrote a separate, I wrote a separate um, video essay because the GPA was the only thing that would stop me to get me in NYU, and I wrote it. And I found and I found this NYU counselor, her Tisch School of the Arts, and I applied, and I didn't get it. And I was like, "Shit, well that that sucks." And uh, I guess the second closest was Hartford. I didn't want to go to the West Coast at the time. What yeah. I would do now, I probably would have just figured out a way to go to school, like the new school. I would have probably been my second choice, but I didn't apply. Mm-hmm. But anyways, go to Hartford. And I had figured I have to somehow get in the city to redeem this. And I, long story short, set up everything for Hartford to get ready to apply for these internships. So that's why I became a tour guide because I, that's why I joined the radio and TV station and become a better student. Mm-hmm. And my first internship was at Sirius XM radio. And there was the NYU students that I try to be amongst and then when i had my first Mm. tv internship at nickelodeon the nyu students are Mm. my fellow interns and we wound up in the same place starting our internships from Mm. sirius and viacom even though i didn't go to nyu i still intern at the very places those nyu students got their internships and that was very very humbling yeah. and to know that it's possible especially at a smaller school like you heart mm-hmm. and that relates so i'm getting ready for my internships and jimmy fallon i really didn't think how can if jimmy if you know the tonight show are taking in nyu students as interns are taking in fordham they're taking in kids who go to these insane film schools. And I do believe University of Hartford is, has a great film program. It's just extremely small. It doesn't have any as much resources or alumni to put those people in, like an NYU or Columbia, yeah. University of Maryland, those Syracuse, those big comm schools. Mm. And I was like, so I got enough internships to like qualify. Okay, so I have Nickelodeon, SiriusXM, that's where these other NYU students, I'm just going to shoot my shot, but I know, okay, this, it might be a little more of an obstacle from you heart to get to, to the tonight show. But I was working at Kohl's and I got an interview request and I was like, okay, 
maybe I'll get the screener. And I'm glad I got it this far. And then I killed in the screener and they asked me to go to 30 Rock to do my final interview. So it was a hot summer day. And I'm like, wow, this could actually work out. Being so obsessed with The Tonight Show and Jimmy Fallon. I had the internship experience, not only one, but two from two major media companies. Pretty good student, but they really only care about your experience. And I go to 30 Rock. And I remember I wasn't nervous at all. It was, I really wasn't. And then I go into that tiny, you know, building built in the 30s. And I got to the production offices of The Tonight Show. I met my interviewer. We interviewed in the writer's room. And we talked for literally a half an hour. And, I, and they had this little packet they asked us to fill out. And I wrote every little detail for me to explain why I qualify for this. Plus the 30-minute interview and a really good 30-minute interview. And I, I actually would know the name of the writers. That's how, like, obsessed I was. I would tell them, you know, your writer, Mike Shoemaker or Anthony Jeselnik did this, and I thought. So no one knew as much as The Tonight Show more than me. And a few weeks go by, and I remember after I left the – I left the office, you know, where, where they put the Christmas tree at 30 Rock. I've almost passed out. I gave everything I could give. And I still, despite it, didn't get it. I've never been more depressed in my life. Next to losing a family member, that was that hard. I was like, wow, I did everything I possibly could. And I just came up short for whatever reason. And I did yeah. take it really personally for like 12 hours. And then I actually happened to get another internship interview request. I was like, okay, someone else believes in me. And I haven't watched the tonight show since low key, happy to see their ratings plummeting since they haven't since that time, whether it's because they didn't take me in or what. And I wound up going to CNN that, that fall instead. And I really think I got a much more valuable internship. It was production development, which is the dream. I'd love to be develop pro shows and networks and i've gotten a few jobs since because of the cnn internship and of course the tonight show would be have been yeah. awesome but i really have this dream some way in my life that i will be on the tonight show promoting something It'd be cool if it was this podcast and i could say hey jimmy i interviewed for this show back in 2016 someone said no but now i'm sitting at your desk whenever that day is going to come whether the tw- 2030s or 40s but that really really that really made me believe i guess some things happen for a reason i kept at it i knew i could get something better and i did and i'm very lucky i did and instead of being a page i went to mtv instead to get to start my tv career and that was so valuable and fun and again and it's never too late to work at nbc and i'm definitely open when that day comes and you know, once we, especially once my career resumes after this virus, I'm ready to get at it. So as we see, things really do happen for a reason. And we know that failure is a great thing. We just can't take it too personally because we know there's plenty more yeah, times. For, for sure. I mean, it's definitely harder in that moment to go through those things, through something that you really wanted and I felt like that with Bridgewater, with BC. I felt that a lot of times, but there's always, it seems to be something always pops up the minute after Mm -hmm. and you're going to 
you always just seize that opportunity. Just it seems to it does seem to all work out in the end, even if you don't aim there. I mean it's it seems it's it's though it's very cutthroat in these two industries and my my closest thing easily into entertainment that I've ever done. Let me just close this real quick. Uh, my closest thing to entertainment I ever done was the modeling. And there's a lot of people that live off that, that do modeling as a big part of their life. They would consider it as a, much of a job as anything else where they're going from seven in the morning to seven at night trying to get auditions. Oh, and yeah. it's a very cutthroat thing. And it's very, it's, 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 understandable why models have so many issues why so many struggling actors have issues with drug addiction alcohol addiction because you just get so many more rejections yeah than anything else and that's just the business being the business i don't think that without going through that prior or having a stable foundation of rejection you don't quite understand it in the grand scheme of things you don't understand that it makes you better for the next time i mean i i i love sports um, love him or hate him. I love Tom Brady. I love mm-hmm. Ronaldo. I don't. I don't like the. Or I don't like the. There's a good example. The Peyton Mannings, the mm-hmm. Messies, people that seem to have been born with these gifts. Yeah, I like right? the people that that have been struggling, that have been compared with everyone else that were overlooked, that have been doubted, that say they're not as good as the other person. Ronaldo is always compared to Messi, but Messi is something God-given. Ronaldo is something that's built, that mm-hmm. literally strives and drives himself off of wanting the next thing to be better and greater than anything else. And that's what you need. I think you need to have two people in business that motivate you and two athletes that motivate you. And that's where Ray Dalio, Elon Musk come in with their thoughts and their drive but the drive is a little bit different when you take it in consideration with sports, like with Ronaldo. But with Tom Brady, the best quote that he's ever said was he was asked what um, ring was the best ring, and he said the next one. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of in pursuit of your greatness. You're never just going to be satisfied. Even if you have six, he could have eight, and he'll still never be satisfied. He'll be retired and wishes he could still win more Super Bowls, and that's what I want in my life is that what's my next greatest success the next one. I want to be compared to others. I want to be doubted because that's what fills a fire. That's what keeps you going and it keeps you motivated to do better and better until you're talked about. But even in those moments, you have to stay humble when you're knowing you're on top. You can know you're the baddest man on the planet, baddest woman on the planet, but you have to stay humble because the fact of the matter is it, it took you years to get there. You make they talk about people making $2 billion or $20 billion in 20 seconds, but they don't talk about the 20 years it took to get there. But what's even worse about that, the reality is it takes a second to lose everything. Yes. And that's why we have to hold on and still keep that, keep that philosophies in us to not let it go. Cause yeah, it can change in an instant. And again, that's why I really, Tom Brady is almost a perfect example. He doesn't have to play anymore but he really has something to prove. He wants to prove he can win without Bill Belichick. And so far the bucks are four and two and the Patriots are two and four in the time of recording this. And we're going to see how that unfolds. And right. He really, I really believe I said guy's name at Michigan who started over him. Um, if you don't mind me looking it up. 
I remember what he looked like. Well, it was several people. He got there his freshman year. He didn't play. Then he played. Then his senior year, he got benched for the other kid, and I forget his name. Yeah, I'll have that answer in three, two. His name's notorious. Drew Henson. Drew Henson took his starting position from him. I was, it seems he that was, he, he was he was seen to be like the next Troy Aikman or something. I remember yeah. that. And then I really believe Ch- Tom Brady still has that drive that is literally 20 years later. He still wants to prove I'm better than Drew Henson. Some people really need their Drew Henson motivations. Yeah. And six Super, six Super Bowl wins later and nine conference championships, he still has that drive. And he's playing until his body can anymore. And – Hopefully it is out on his. That's turn. impressive in football too. Oh yeah, especially the way uh, that's a, the game it's a different is. Different animal. And I. I mean, f- and then you, and then you you look at that too, uh, like at Ronaldo as well. He's thirty four, I believe, and he's has I think what they said he has the physique and um the longevity of a twenty year old. <laughs> that's how like perfect his body is now one percent of fat i'm sure all muscle <laughs> and yeah he has something to prove i mean he leads he really inspires a whole nation of portugal and not only that in <laughs> this whole world and i think the one thing to mention when we compare if you compare a peyton to a tom a Messi to ronaldo and don't think we can't we can't take away the incredible accomplishments they pulled off but yeah, of course, with just a slight, very slight, mid, a little more admiration for the people who really had something to prove. Tom Brady, one ninety nine, just simple as that. Yeah, under ninety ninth pick, that there's something those who don't know what that means. <laughs> Everyone wants to be the comeback kid. Everyone wants to be, even if they don't want to admit it. You have your type A's in the world that think that they do everything and anything, but the reality is, we all want a comeback story. No one yeah. likes the person that just has everything. No, that's the movies would be boring if you had <laughs> movies like Warrior, which is a great sports film that I encourage anyone to watch. If you have movies like Friday Night Lights, the people that had the most seem to like lose everything in a matter of seconds, what, what is, and it's just memorable. not as admirable. Absolutely. And so, and- I wish more people had that mentality. <laughs> It would help so many things, so many situations, especially after this emotional year 2020s has. That's the being your biggest fan is the best advice I think anyone can have. And I think that's the ultimate advice that I got out of this this quarantine. I really do. And that's why I know once I get to the other side and working again, that this was what I had to do. And, you know, this podcast would not be a thing if I was working and going through through pain and not only i'm growing as a content creator but i'm reconnecting with people i were re- we're reconnecting through this like beyond the microphones yeah. i'm just glad chopping it up with you and and other friends i've seen and some people i don't really know but still would love to talk to mm-hmm. this is a great opportunity that works both yeah. personally and professionally and i'm sure with what you're doing too getting prepared for your next gig and on your way up in this finance world you're growing both personally and professionally out of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to think so. I mean, 
I have some ideas. I just want to, I don't want to be remembered for money, power, but I want to be remembered for thinking differently. I want to, I want to inspire others to think differently. I want to be able to look at complex problems differently from everyone else. And there seems to be an issue with that in the United States. It seems that you're told to go to school, told to do well in high school and do well in college, find a job. And it's, I think, more evident now than ever before. It seems so set in stone. It seems like college board, the ACT, SAT have a grasp on everyone and they define really who you are and you know what's the craziest thing that we're defined by numbers for most of our life easily very much everything has a number and we're associated with a number and that number shows people your self-worth in a way but if i told you i had a 2.8 in high school and also everything that i just said before you wouldn't have thought that you would have thought okay this kid probably had a higher gpa this kid seems like he understands how things work here and there i'm only 23 but he might make sense of some things in the world but the reality is they're just such wrong numbers they don't mean the right thing and they i don't think they ever have what it means that if you have a high gpa in high school that you really hit your books hard if you've got a perfect score on the sat you did a lot of prep or you're just mm-hmm. naturally gifted that way the truth of the matter is in high school you might be hot shit but you're going to let's say those kids that got a perfect gpa that got the perfect sat scores you're going to go to those elite schools there's so many other people like you not even yeah. in this country but in every other country you're not unique and you need to distinguish yourself from them i think that's that's why you see a lot of very smart people not able to make it where they want to be or they thought they were going to be. I feel like there's a big disconnect, and this is not for every smart person in the world, but there's a big disconnect. They see themselves in one place, but then they come to this realization that there's so many other people like them and they can't compete. They can't do the work and they don't want to put in the time. And I think there there's that big disconnect, what we were talking about. I think there's a lack of competitiveness and it's only in a few types of people. I don't think people want to get their boat rocked. I don't think people want to hear that they're wrong. I think people want to hear that they're right. They don't want to be competitive and they just want everything to be handed. But what would life be if there was no competing for anything? Yes. And you cannot be afraid to go up against the status quo, no matter who is trying to push you through it. There's a lot of people who will try to push you down while you go for these things. There's a lot of people who feel some certain things aren't right again. And it all goes back to you need to hear the honesty because then, as you said, anyone could just step in and step up like there to, to slide in, but you need to just know you're good enough. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, I can do it. I think that's the one of the cool things you could get out of Bridgewater, your Bridgewater mm-hmm. candidacy and my tonight show. I, we are good enough to be considered for all the hundreds of thousands of applicants. They really picked us. And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. they picked someone else at the time, but we know we are in that area to be good enough to slide into the next, um, to slide into the next opportunity. And that's the best part of it. You just have to remember that you are good enough 
to be considered with that. And there's also plenty of people who, for whatever reason, they've not their good number called, but they are good enough. But they have to know, know. They also have to know personally that they are good enough. And in the time after the opportunity didn't pan out, you really do have to prepare and figure out what I could do differently. Whether it was me thinking, oh, was my interviews was it me i interviewing did i want the job too much did i uh mm. you know push some boundaries for whatever reason did i wear the wrong tie well don't get into that because then you'll go crazy if you go for that something superficial like that but for the other personal and professional yeah. developments you do have those extra times and sometimes it really is just a you know no pun intended, but sometimes it is a time and a matter of time. Like you could be so, that's one thing to remember most of the time or a good amount of the time, the right candidate, whoever won the job, isn't the right fit or the best fit. And, you know, whether that's on those HR people, the hiring managers who pick that, sometimes it is as simple as judgment decisions. And sometimes they may sometimes maybe there's a good amount of time they made the wrong judgment. So that's why, you know, I am good enough. Just don't forget that I am good enough. You are good enough, Eric. I'm good enough. And we have a long time. We're extremely young. Like if we think about, think about this, you said Ronaldo's in a 20 year old body at 34. That would mean, yeah. 11 years for you to for him to stay to stay for him nine years for me that's such a long time to, to still be extremely young like that and we could develop so much more things to get into the spot so that's why we can't be also have a set timer for it we just need to keep pushing and know yeah. that it will come when it's meant to be. So don't let time discourage that too. I think a lot of people get discouraged from timing, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think another thing is to i forget the rocky quote when you get um knocked down i forget which rocky it's from I can't yeah really from rocky balboa it's not how doesn't matter how hard you hit it matters how hard you get hit and keep moving forward and then that's the thing i think you really need to get hit you need to get rocked a lot yeah. of times in your life and if you're not getting rocked you don't get life you're going to stay in that same situation it goes back to that loop you're going to stay in that second and third part and you're never going to figure it out even if you get rocked even if both of your eyes are black and blue your eyes are still slightly open there's a light and there's some hope left over it i mean there's so many things in this world that can drag us down we've been lucky enough to be given being put in better situations <laughs> than most and then you can only imagine what others are feeling right now and what they have been feeling and hopefully they do still hold on to that sliver of hope that no matter what their situation has been they could still work their way out of it it might be tough in the beginning but it's all part of it and at the end of the day they're going to be the ones that really prevail it's not the world isn't run by a plus students are the people that you thought were smarter than you it's the people that got the C's, that got the D's, that learned how mm-hmm. to fail in school, in life, and made something of themselves. Yeah, you do see successful people on top, but why do you hear more of the times about the dropouts than right. you do about the kids that are the people that went through all the steps to get where they're at? 
Can't be afraid of that. And it's your own story. Don't let anyone dictate how it goes or how it should be run. Because then if you really listen to them, you're not making this amazing, inspiring story. You're just going on someone else's. Just literally, you're your biggest fan to make all this possible and that you are good enough, that you can do it. And I learned that from all the job rejection I've had. I kept a log. I'm at 175 since 2017. Like, you know, not to, not to make a brag or anything. And, you know, people could put that number, (laughs) assume everyone, you can make that number, assume everyone you want, but I just know I'm good enough for whatever reason. And it's just better stories for podcasts like this. Mm. If you get that talk show appearance, that book, it, yeah. it has to happen. You do have to get your ass kicked and sign up and sign up for abuse, especially. I think that's why mm. comics are especially very fascinating because they really take, if you want to be a successful comedian, it really does take about 10 years to get some traction and you have to sign up for so much abuse. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, but in the contrary, you got to be a comedian. You got to make people laugh. You got to create content that really helps and inspires people. And you need to go through that hell to make yeah. it go on. And again, don't worry about how long it takes, especially don't worry about how long it takes. I have seen so many people in my industry who are not deserving of, of uh, places where I want. For instance, I remember a kid, there's a good, there's a kid from college who interned at Fox, mm-hmm. who is not a production major whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He, um, he gets this Fox internship while I'm trying to just get a PA job. And I'm like, this guy doesn't even, He's not, he's not doing what I did and put in the work, you know, reckon now he doesn't do finance. Uh, I, I don't know what he does now, but I know he's not in that world anymore of production. Uh-huh. And I've been able to been forced to get some opportunities since then, but you do have to, you know what you are? You're a racehorse. When a racehorse runs, there's a reason why their eyes are closed. They just keep running. Uh-huh not looking on the sides to make them slow down because they literally get slowed down if they turn their head. So yeah. you have to be a racehorse to keep running forward and fuck what everyone else is doing. You just know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it seems that all these people we admire, whether in the business world, sports, mm-hmm. entertainment, if you're inspired by doctors, I don't know, <laughs> whoever yeah. you're inspired by, you just, it, it does seem that common thread that they really believed in themselves. And mm-hmm. there are some other people who get in by lucky breaks is don't know what the hell they're doing. I'm sure we can list many celebrities who done that. And then you don't really hear from them anymore. Yeah. That's why the ones who really stick and are staying relevant. And that's why we're making it, Eric, at some point before our last breaths, we will get our goals with what we want. Or there we're going to, um, there was, um, a performance or I believe, it's talking about back to like people going with their own thing. Someone that I, I look up to, but not so much like admire, aspire to be, but a different thought. I know a lot of people think Kanye is a loud mouth or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's something you have to admire about Kanye. He might be an extremist here and there, but I remember watching. Do you know who the most unruly is on YouTube by chance? He goes I've, through. I've heard of the name, but I don't. Yeah. Th- probably if I saw saw mm-hmm. him, I'd recognize. He, he goes through albums and talks about people's processes, what they were going through for each album, and he talks about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Hands down, probably one of the best 
rap albums ever produced by anyone. It's a very good Easy. album. It's all the songs flow. And what he was talking about, Kanye West, I'm, I think made everyone dress up in a suit when they were rapping, when they were there in meetings. Uh, Kanye West made sure that the album was different, but so unique that people still liked it. There's this performance artist that inspires, I believe, that inspires Kanye. I forget her name right now, but she was doing a project once where she just had her body. I believe she was wearing shorts and a shirt and she had a table and it had feathers, water, ice, a knife, a razor blade and a gun that was loaded. People could do whatever they wanted. People could write on her. People could throw flowers on her. People could throw baby powder on her. People cut her. People did all these things. And there was one guy that puts the gun to her head right in front of her face and between her eyes. After three hours, or I believe it might have been six, all the people that were there stopped. She started moving and everyone ran. Everyone that did something to her ran away. No one wants to deal with her. No one wanted to face the reality of what they have done to her and what she did. She showed that when people get that chance, they'll take advantage of you or whatever situation is in their control. But she also showed that with that, people also want to be controlled. People want something that they could all do together. And from that performance, I really think it's shaped Kanye's way of perceiving the world around him. I don't think he wore the Trump hat because he liked Trump himself. I think he wanted to bring unity between people. And it was just Kanye being Kanye. I think there are also some political things here and there that he may agree with, may disagree with, or that has affected him over the years. But I genuinely think that instead of an African-American person hating Trump, that they can like him, at least find an issue. He might not be the greatest person in the world. He might not say the greatest things, but why can't we all come to an issue that we can all agree upon and the way and how the way the world works? Like him or not, he's the president for what has been four years. And I think all Kanye wanted to do was just find a connection between people and show that it's not all that bad, that it's not all hate, that we've been, might've been fed lies for these months, but it doesn't matter what the candidate is, who the candidate is or who it is in general. I think that's why I like so much about Kanye West, that he thinks so differently and views the world in such a way that no matter what, we could all still be together and united. I think, um, I think his name means, uh, yay means we. I forget what language are bringing people together. That's what Kanye means, I, I, I believe. But I don't think he's a bad person. I just think he's a person that's definitely had a lot of issues, but that's just trying to find a way that everyone could just unite as one. And it doesn't matter what we look like, where we're from. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. And I think that's the biggest issue Kanye is trying to cover. 
I really admire your preaching in the choir on this because I am still a very much a Kanye fan. Even the controversial things he does, I love how Kanye stays original. You know, I have in the studio set up back there, I have a Kanye picture. Kanye's one of my favorite artists of all time, even in this crazy time. Even if he says some stuff that I may not agree with right away, but I can see his attempt to try to bring us together. You know, it's risky for him to do a Christian gospel al- rap album. Mm. That's a risky thing. Yeah. Very niche. And he still, he still put songs and tracks that if you, depending on the mood where you're at, at like a club or bar, you can still bounce to it. And the song's about <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. He does his own thing. And I think that he cares so much about trying to be different. Mm-hmm. It really does make people uncomfortable. Different things make people uncomfortable for whatever reason. And he I think he gives a damn. I think he does at the end of the day. And whether you want to accuse his mental illness, you know, they say you should never diagnose somebody you never met. Mm. And no matter who it is, when you call out someone with his issues, yes, he has been in the hospital for things, but you can't really jump to conclusions on him and judge him for that because he is giving a damn to try to make something different. And whether you like or admire him, he's made a pretty big impact in our world. And I think he continues and he will continue to, you know, you should listen to Joe Rogan podcast with him if you haven't already to really go into deep, goes deep with his mind and just hear the guy out because he's doing something for a genuine purpose he's not doing anything for malicious and even people would say that with trump and you know i know trump's a very controversial figure and it's whether whether you know he has a quite the controversial mouth Mm. but in his mind at the end of the day he really is trying to do the best he can now his approaches might be you know examined but yeah. if you look at just Trump as the individual person in the job, take any politics aside, take anything he said aside, take any of his actions aside. If you look at him as the person, he is trying to do the right thing for this country. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people will say he's not. And some people will say he's this, that, or the other. But in his mind, at least, he's mm-hmm. trying to do the right thing. And I think that's what... I love that people can have their opinions. I don't care who people vote for. I love people's opinions and I respect them. People may not agree with that, but there's something nice being able to live in a place where people don't need to agree with that. Oh yeah. I mean, I think what I can find somewhere within myself and Kanye is that we have this idea that we don't care. We show that we don't care about things or whatever. But the truth of the matter is that we care so deeply that we just don't want to show it, that we care. I care a lot about people, but I hate showing it. I want to be a soldier that never blows his composure. Just Mm -hmm. I can march on through even when I hear the worst of things. But at the end of the day, it takes a toll. You're sitting in the shower and just thinking, damn, I actually care and love all these people around me. It just never occurred to me. Like if it's white, black, it just doesn't like I don't I don't like the separation I just love people for who they are because we're just people it doesn't really matter anything yeah. after that and I've learned how to cope with it better that you can't always just be upset at the world and always try to make everyone love one another just 
have a loving atmosphere. People need to express themselves in a way that they find fit. But I think at the end of the day, there still needs to be love that comes out with comes out of it. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, what your race is, what your religion is. It's just everyone's beautiful in their own way. And I think that we can all, all love each other. And I mean, even what you said about Trump, I mean, he hasn't said the greatest things with Hispanics, Muslims, and we can all agree on that but moral morals and who we are as people but on that rare occasion i mean van jones came out the other day the i believe he's a reporter for either cnn, CNN. or ms yeah he's CNN and he, he he said that he has done a lot for the african-american community and that's big coming from someone that's a part of that community and he was very critical when he got elected too so and he he was but that's the thing even someone like van jones i don't know much about you could see that there's still transparency in that and there's still that little hope and believing in someone as much as much as the people might have not liked it hopefully that there's something that they can find to agree on and hopefully what happens next whether it be joe biden or trump i, I support it. i mean i voted for myself because why not shits and giggles i have one vote for myself for the u.s presidency <laughs> so there's but, a there's someone's gonna read a ballot and they'll see eric sequera <laughs> basically one of my friends said they voted for me so or maybe they vote for me so maybe i got two that's pretty big not gonna <laughs> lie so i got some traction going but whether it be joe biden or trump don't get me wrong like the tax thing I don't like Joe Biden's, but you know what? Fuck it. There has to be something I like about it, about mm-hmm. him. And I can agree with the, when it comes to like clean energy, like I can get on board with that. Like, yeah, I think we all could agree me. for the sake of our planet earth that we need something. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing I could find a little love for each candidate and for whoever wins. I mean, it might not be the greatest two party system, but we could still, I believe all of us can find something we like about that can and come to all love each other and accept our opinions and what we think is true. But right now, I think it just needs a little bit more work with everyone. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And however the election's going to sway, I know who I'm going to vote for. Mm. I know what I'm going to do with that. Regardless of the outcome, I'm not going to be depressed and sad and riot. (laughs) You know, I personally think there could be a nice change that should come with my vote and hopefully will lead to a big change in America. Mm -hmm. And even if that's not the case, I'm still going to be fine. I still need to find my uh, way in this world as my career. But um, like I said, I can trust at the end of the day, based on the individual, that they are doing what they truly believe is best for the majority. And whether that's Trump, whether that's Biden, whether that's Eric Sequeira, who's now on the ballot, or Kanye, or Green and Libertarian Party, whoever gets in, I will truly trust that that individual, politics aside, their aides aside, that they are doing what they believe is the right thing. And even if I disagree with it, and even at this point, I extremely disagree with it, it's cool to be in a place where we can try to get that change. We just got to remember to vote at the end of the day. The only, the only thing 
I hate that's what's happening with Joe Biden is the fact that you can tell that there's something not right with him. I don't know if it's dementia. All I'm not sure. He looks like Ronald Reagan in his second term, though. And it's kind of scary that no one seems to be helping. It's kind of scary that no one has pulled him out. It's kind of scary that if he wins, that he there's a possibility that his health deteriorates way faster. Everyone gets stressed when you're the um, when you're the president. Oh, I mean, that Obama picture, he has gray hair now. You know, he looks so. He has gray hair and he's all mm-hmm. wrinkled up now. It's like it, it takes a toll on you, and it's scary that there's a lack of care for his health, and that's what mm-hmm. bothers me. I, I get that it's a tricky situation to be in, but even before he ran, this was an issue, and that's what kind of mm-hmm. hurts me that people still pushed him to do this i guess the only thing to think if uh, biden gets elected that he really gets the greatest medicine in the world that none of us will ever get touch as the average citizen and if that is uh what's meant to be we i guess we just got to trust that there are going to be some extreme care taken care of if uh biden becomes the president-elect this is this is true i mean no one wants to see a president die yeah trump had covid there might have been people that are like oh i hope he dies but no one yeah, wants to see a president die because it's really bad being. exactly that's somebody with a family that's somebody with beyond no one gives a crap of what what happens they care about the individual we know the last time that happened back in the early 60s that it really crippled the nation for even no matter who it was and that so many people witnessed that violent act at the end of the day we do care about should care about that person and what they do and and i'm glad that the other i'm glad trump survived covid and i had mm. glad that his other aides we don't want to see any more people and you know we can debate how covid's been handled by his administration for days but at the yeah. end of the day it's it's freaking here we have to beat it mm. we have to trust our scientists and we have to scientists in the health industry to beat this and i personally think we we can and obviously hopefully sooner rather than later yeah gotta trust we gotta trust and when the election's over it's uh it's um sure gonna be a relieving time for either side honestly i mean what what also makes me happy with whoever wins is that we get so much crap from other countries about not having anything together not being like the greatest country, but what happens when shit goes down in another country? Who's the first person that they, it's us. <laughs> it's always us. Right. And I, I can, I'm glad I could live in a place where people are free to say what they want, protest as much as they want, practice whatever religion they want. And also to be first in line when anything is ever needed. And that doesn't matter what kind of leadership we're under. We're always going to get that call. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Europe. I think it's a beautiful place, but I don't think they really have their stuff together as much mm. as they say they do. For a Western world, they seem kind of old-fashioned about things. And I'm not going to lie, when you go to soccer matches in Europe, they're very racist about things. It's yeah. just a very prominent thing. And people don't know that. People think Europe's a very progressive place when in reality, there's a lot of people that are racist and you could tell by their emotions in soccer matches. It's, it's a strange thing. You won't see it on the streets people won't say anything but when you go to some place with just so much emotion it just all pours out and it's crazy to think i mean don't get me wrong i think you should be open-minded you should see as many places in the world that you can personally i went to amsterdam i loved it i want to live there i love the people i love just the way of life but i know that's another country that doesn't have it together i know that 
the Netherlands doesn't have it all there. And that's fine. No country does. No country will ever figure out healthcare. No country will ever figure out taxes properly. No country will ever figure out a lot of social. It's just, it just, it's just, it's just so hard. There's never going to be an answer for an exact thing. I mean, how long have we been around for with healthcare and how many great minds we've had in healthcare? How come no one's figured out the perfect system? Right. I mean, and you pay, you pay, you pay top dollar in the United States because you get the top doctors, you get people that come out of these amazing schools that know what they're doing. And it doesn't matter what school still, because if you get your doctor degree, you get to your doctorate degree. Yeah. Right. Regardless if you're going to like the islands for a doctor, that's a little like anyone can get those. So it's like, eh, but it's, whatever, it's still, you're still a doctor, but you're also have to remember the fact that there's people that are depressed that are killing themselves going through these programs for the better are the well-being of others. And they need to get paid for that somehow. They, there needs to be a compensation. There, there's a lot of great doctors. Yes, there's some that botch surgeries or botch patients or botch diagnosis. But the issue is, is that they go through so much that they need to make up for the debts. They didn't make up for their mental health because I'm pretty sure it's about 30-something percent of male doctors – commit suicide after two years and like our female doctors 30 percent uh, males it's like 50 to 60 percent commit suicide after the um after two years out of being out of school because it never gets easier and yeah. I, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon that was the first thing i wanted to do and i remember before i went to Harvard for reading up on <laughs> reading mm-hmm. up on it if you become i want to work on tumors or either um, neurospinal surgeries. Mm-hmm. So things that make you a lot of money if you're really good at it and things that I felt like I could do really well and I had a passion for that I could get better each and every time that I can, I have great bedside manner. But the thing that never gets easier and why doctors are so depressed in the United States and globally, no matter who you get on the table, especially as a neurosurgeon, just know most of the time their chances of survival for a major surgery, I believe aren't more than 30%. Yeah. And you have to, you have to know that before going in, there's still a chance. I believe that you can get that chance with that 30%, but what never gets easier is telling that family Mm -hmm. that someone's gone. A doctor may look like they don't care, but they take it. They take it. They feel as though they could have saved someone and they didn't that they feel the oath that they took doesn't mean anything. They killed that person. So these doctors are paying for therapists. They're paying for their own trauma. There's a reason why it's so expensive. And I get that. Don't get me wrong. I think insurance companies take an arm and a leg for mm-hmm. the price you need to pay for policies, but that's not the doctor's fault. The doctor's just trying to do their job and also pay for what they need to get out of the way and what they need help fixing as well. Cause they're human beings as well. It's all, that's the human part again. There's a human at the end of the day trying to do it. Whether you're, you know, spinal neurosurgery, you know, if that goes wrong, you don't want to take someone's ability to walk. You don't want to take somebody's ability to uh, really complicate things and the nervous wreck on all of the sides. So, you know, like, that's why we have to commend our health officials and what they do for that because it is, 
they're putting a lot on the line. And yeah, there's an insane great payday for it, but there's a lot of toll personally that, that really is priceless when it comes to certain things like that. Mm. So it's real, man. Real. So got nothing but love and appreciation for all those. And we just got to remember no matter you're a doctor or you're an athlete or you're doing something small at a smaller company. Everyone is a human at the end of the day that we have to yeah. give value to them and remember that they have value, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think it's been getting lost in translation the last few months, but I think when this all blows over after the election, give it six months, we'll yes, get, a good get six back, months back on our feet. We'll be back on our feet. Even if it's during the pandemic, I think people will realize what's happened has happened. Just get back to what we once were. And yeah. I could do it. We have our lessons learned and we keep pushing forward for the next time, man. Strong lessons were learned from this pandemic and hopefully we genuinely appreciate, at least a few of us can genuinely appreciate the times we have left. For sure. Yeah, man. So, man, we've been actually at it for almost an hour and a half. So, they've yeah. really been great and deep. I just want a few more things before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, Eric, well, you mentioned the modeling you mind yeah. me going in for that if you like how what so were you like were you trying to be i don't know the male candace crawford <laughs> trying to see with acting or you were just is this something you were exploring it was it's funny because i was at six flags when this all started and it's a weird place to say but there was this one of those fake agencies that has the um, photo room in the back of their offices <laughs> called Interface that had a booth set up at a Six Flags and me and my friend signed up for it and I got a call back from them. They're like, hey, we like to, we want to develop you. Come in and we'll get a general thing. You pay us and we'll take your picture. Ooh. Kind of a scam when you see, when you look at it. You but, can't pay so. Oh. And, then, and then for whatever reason, I got jobs out of it. So my investment was paying off and I get a call from an actual agency, an actual agency, how they develop you. If they want to, you don't give the money to them. They take the check, they give it to the photographer and that's it. But the photographers charge a lot of money of course. and that's how they actually develop you. There's nothing in the back room. All they have is like five or six desks, a meeting room. And that's it. That's what a modeling agency really looks like for most people. I've walked into woman a and I've walked into a Ford models they're a little bit more developed. They have the nice front logos, the Ford in the back or woman a in the back. And, uh, forgive me if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. I don't know if it's woman a or woman, but, um, it's the same setup. They got their front desk. They got a couple rooms right here, offices, a meeting room, and that's it. You're never going to find those, um, cameras in the back. But so I get a call from Clary models and they say they want to develop me. And it was just something that really, and it's a lot of things in my life I just get into and I just got lucky with the things I did. Yeah. Ray-Ban, Express, Polo, Louis Vuitton. Uh, really? So Suzuki. you, so you, t- you done actual shoots for all those clients? That's I've done, I've done shoots. I've done auditions for them. I can tell you that I've done way more auditions than I have shoots just because mm-hmm. that's just the nature of the beast. And I'm fine oh, with yeah. that. I, I've worked at two casting agencies. I know exactly what you mean. And it's and, amazing when I see, oh, oh I'm sorry. You go. I, I don't feel like I'm not the best looking one or not the most, um, 
charismatic person. It's just they're looking for something, and if you don't fit it, it just makes, in my opinion, yeah. it just makes so much sense if you don't get it. You just weren't. It's not based off resume. It's not based off any past experience. Maybe if you have a name and you're going in there, okay, they want you a little bit more. But the truth of the matter is, it's just so nitpicky what they need, mm-hmm. and I get it. I, I completely understand it because it was the same way when I went to Thailand for that commercial. They needed a kid that looked like me, that was the size of me, that was um, had the hair like me, that could look like the other family members. Like there was just so much that went into it that they needed for that one thing. And, but granted, I did know the person on the other side of that casting chair because mm-hmm. we used to do runway shows together. So about that that might have yeah i mean that might have helped me i forget her name but she really helped me out yeah they just they really want you they want eric seguera that's what they want no matter where they're putting whether what project you're on Mm -hmm. on the runway doing the shoot they want you and how you fit to whatever whatever situation is when what they're filming and yeah i hear that and i'm i'm sure you've made those places proud so is there a, there could be a day or a commercial or a billboard or picture and then there's you and whatever you're uh uh promoting i thought i thought about getting back into it to ford miles or womanea just right now i just need someone to take a couple pictures of me um and that's about it i just hasn't been a top priority because i want a real job but it could be a money maker on the on the side uh for sure i think that not to be conceited or arrogant that i have the look that they're looking for and yeah i'm not i'm not the type of person that's going to be up my agent's ass about getting jobs like i'll get what comes to me and if i find something i'll go out for it i mean i don't think most people know too like if you want to be an extra model for something backstage has those things yeah you might need to pay but what you're paying oh, backstage for, I love backstage. for like what you're paying and if you let's say you just want to be an extra what you put into that, you'll make your money back, whether it be like two hundreds or a hundred dollars back off of what you were paying for that 12 month period. You're going to make your money back because they'll take most people for extras. They're not going to deny you when they need it. Oh yeah. And you just get, whether depending if you want to be an actor, you need to get your credits for, to join certain for unions sure. and for sure. And you just need to put yourself out there to find representation. Cause you know, representation is the hugest step somebody needs to get work and that's why those little things and backstage is important as somebody who recruited who recruited um models and actors for various projects backstage is important mm-hmm. and i just recruited i just put out my poll out there what i was looking for and bam it's worth doing the backstage for anyone who wants to take that route yeah and I mean- you have my support if you come back. As you know, it's uh, never too late for that. So, For sure. They're, they're always looking for older people. So, I mean, it really doesn't stop at any age. But in regards to, like, the acting, I never would give up anything for acting. But I've always would, like, have been interested or I'm open to an opportunity if there's ever a role. Because I know I could get really into myself and emotions. I could really absorb myself into a character. But more I like a Jake Gyllenhaal Hall type role. Where it's more independent, where it's that eerie type of person, whether it be uh, prisoners or be Nightcrawler, like I feel really connected to those type of end of watch. Like I feel connected mm-hmm. where I could just absorb that character. I don't want to. If I was an actor, I wouldn't want to be the actor that's making twenty million. I want to be the actor that's making a million off of an independent film that like catches everyone off by surprise. Something that's low budget but just so fucking good that you just need to see it. 
all acting is is memorizing lines and putting emotion to your character in those lines. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, possibilities are endless. And as long as you're not afraid to get rejected, you really can make a name for yourself. You know who someone, you just explained that someone going to the independent world to really grow as an actor and get a different characters is Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the Robert Pattinson Renaissance, we've seen this past decade. He is genuinely my favorite actor in the world and he he goes from twilight the biggest name in the world and he's like and he wasn't happy and he really reinvented himself and especially in hollywood doing these independent roles whether the lighthouse good time uh dev the uh one he did with tom holland the devil mm. it starts with devil and he's really expanded as an actor he i think he's the very best at accents he could kill every accent i've heard <laughs> yeah he can't even believe him. You just like this isn't Robert Pattinson. There, it's this guy. It's that, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I really respect for what you're saying to go yeah. into that not ma- non mainstream world because you want to be better as an actor and get that craft. And that's why I really admire stage actors who do that as well. Yeah, I think that it's still kind of the same role with Batman that he's playing. Yeah, Batman seems to be way darker than anyone. I mean, they're all dark movies, but. Uh, don't get me wrong, Christopher Nolan made such a realistic superhero. Yeah. You, you could think that that's a real person. That's how well <laughs> those movies were done. But this one seems a little bit more like an independent film where it's way darker and it's closer to what Robert Patterson has been doing. And that's what, I, like I said, I admire about Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't like when he's in big movies, to be honest. Yeah, like and he did, yeah, like movies. you said, he did a uh, similar route from going from Big Street, but he really changed, like Nightcrawler, very low-budget movie. Mm-hmm. Prisoners, they had Dennis Villeneuve. Now he's become a huge star. But again, yeah. he's like really getting the craft of acting and growing in that sense. Yeah, and, and you, could, you could see one in Prisoners, too, how well he portrayed that character and you could just feel when he can't find those kids how pissed off he gets more and more and more and it's just such subtle things within the movie that he does so well and that's what i love about him as an actor and i mean that's hands down probably my favorite actor and that's what great acting is when you don't notice their acting mm-hmm. you just blend in this is not like there's so many dumb movies i'd say like i see an actor um and you're like oh that's just <laughs> John Smith playing a welder. I'm not yeah. lost into it, but damn. And let me ask one more question before we wrap it up. What was the last time you laughed really hard or a time recently you laughed really hard, Eric? Probably anytime I'm on Discord with my friends. Discord? We're just, yeah, we're just talking. Probably playing like Phasmophobia. Have you played that game yet? Phasmophobia? I yeah. have not. Quite you know, name. you know, you know, um, was it um ghost hunters yeah it's basically like ghost hunters but you're the ghost hunters and you go inside and you try looking for demons on these spirits but it's just so much fun because you have your headsets on and it's a vr game too but mm-hmm. you see things like get thrown around or like it spooks you or like you see the thing pop up out of nowhere it's just so much fun and all the crap that you say with your friends and you're trying to piss off the ghost so you can <laughs> see it more Probably like any time I play that game with them, I probably laugh really hard. Great. I love that. We, uh, it's always good to laugh. So what have we learned today? We learned some great philosophies, the importance of not giving up, the importance of failure, the 
and a lot of really insightful things. And I, I, you're a very, I commend you. You're a very bright young man, as I said at the beginning of this. Thank you. Even more accurate after this conversation. And I, is there anything else you, you have to say or want to end off with? No, I think I'm good, but I thank you for having me on. Hopefully I could be back on another time. Oh, I hope you want to come back. There's, I definitely would love to have you on, man. You, this was great, really insightful, and nothing but a great time, Eric. I'm glad we got to chop it up. For I sure. can't wait to do this again. And, you know, once this pandemic gets, uh, you know, once uh, some things roll out, it would be great to see you. Are you still in, a, you in Jersey? You, you I'm in Jersey for right now, but I'm going to be moving to Jersey City, I believe, sometime All soon. All right. So I'm there. We used to, we used to live in the city, my girlfriend and I, and then uh, we moved out because of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. But hopefully we can hit up a really nice restaurant somewhere in New York city or in NYC. Oh man. I would love to come to you with Jersey city too. I've been there, you know, your journal square. I've spent some time over there. So definitely I will be seeing you very, very soon. One way or the other. For sure. But thanks again, Eric. You the man, and uh, I'll see you very soon. Yeah, for sure, my guy. Thank you again. And there you have it, folks. Eric's Aquaria. You are one sophisticated and deep man. And I had one great pleasure speaking with you. And he was awesome. Very honest, very deep, and quite a bright young man i'm excited to see where he goes and with that i just want to thank you all for tuning in for another episode of the productive conversations podcast we will be back tomorrow with a regularly scheduled thursday edition of the show featuring the goat legendary and electrifying danny lynch and then friday we have my former radio partner and such a great man and himself alex young so lots in store been booking some more shows and we have one heck of a lineup coming up and can't wait to have you all experience it but with that i'd like to say thank you god bless i love you good night good luck and i'll see you all really really soon good night peace You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.